This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. Scott Radley in for Rick Zamprin today. We're going to be chatting with Ian Thornley from Big Rec. They are coming to Hamilton next month. We'll be talking about their very ambitious new album and a bunch of other stuff. The hottest pepper in the world. Different topic, although who knows, Ian Thornley might be into hot peppers. But the hottest pepper in the world has now been released and a record pepper eater from this area joins us to talk about that. Would you want to eat something three times hotter than a Carolina Reaper? And if so, why? We'll be talking about people's debts. They're up. We'll be talking about medical assistance in dying, big change or discussion in who should be eligible for that one. What would have happened if Harvey's had not been named Harvey's, but had been named the original idea? Tell you what, we would have had a very different history with burgers in this area. We're going to chat about the Dirty Nil and the Great Cup Festival local band and so much more. Stick around. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. There are lots of bands. Well, there's not lots of bands that are around for as long as my next guest has been involved with his band and in music. Uh, in fact, many bands come and go rather quickly, not Big Rec. Uh, Big Rec is one of those groups that has uh, has had its time off, but it is still going and it is still putting out music. In fact, new music is coming. Ian Thornley is lead singer and is, well, leader of this band. Let's call him that. Ian, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right. Yourself? Uh, listen, I'm great. I am also amazed. I was reading that you've got a new album coming out with, did I read this right? 18 new tracks on this new album? Yeah. Uh, an ambitious, uh, yes. An ambitious thing. Well, um, the, after the last <clears throat> series of records, which was the EPs, we, we did the seven series. There was 7.1, 7.2, 7.3. I like the idea of giving people sort of bite-sized chunks as opposed to an entire meal of, of music. Um, and there's a, there's a, a plethora of reasons for that, but um, we went in and, and just, I'd been working on this, this sort of pile of music for quite some time um, and then decided to, to tap Nick Raskulenix, um to come and help us out. And then we started going back and forth and we whittled it down from m- many more, as you can imagine, there was, maybe 30 or 40, but we picked wow. um, the ones that we thought were just the strongest uh, and then went in and, and recorded those very quickly. Like we, we got the basic tracks down very quickly. And I, actually, I heard that like two weeks Did I read yeah. two weeks. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That is, that is prolific and amazing and impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's very that's few not, people could do that. Even, that's not even the, the most amazing part of it. Um, the most amazing part was, we had the two weeks there to get down bass and drums. Um, I was going to do the guitars somewhere else because we're at that, like a big, beautiful studio where you want to get the drums. Um, so we were going to focus on that and Seku knocked them out in a few days. And then it was Dave's turn to do bass. And, and he did all of those songs in a day and a half. Like, I think he set some kind of record. Um, so we actually had the rest of the time that I could, I could mess around with guitar sounds and, and uh, you know, do them in the big room, which I really like to do. So yeah, it was it was great, man. It was, uh, and then of course after that, the, the next thing is to focus on uh, which ones we want to release first and, and how we're going to sort of how we're going to roll them out. By the way, we're talking with uh, Ian Thornley of Big Rec, which I forgot to mention right off the top, uh, going to be in Hamilton, November nine at First Ontario Concert Hall. 
Ian, are you then okay? So I was going to ask you if you like some musicians are drive yourself insane with perfectionism because nothing is ever quite perfect and good enough. But I'm guessing that if you can put out 18 songs in two weeks that you can, not that they're not perfect, but that you're not that guy that lies in bed, just imagining, Oh, could that note have been different? Could I have done that different? You're okay with what you produce. I do. Believe me. Um, Do you? Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, and, and I've even, I've even fallen victim to like, that's too perfect. I should have left it the way it was. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a never ending, um, second guessing thing. And I, I've learned through the years. I mean, as long as I've been doing this, I've, I've, I've messed up as much as I've hit the, hit the mark for my own taste. You know, there's, there's things that I've, that will never see the light of day where I'm, I've spent a lot of time working on it. Um, and it just, it still didn't feel right, didn't sit right. So I think for, for any of the songs to actually make it, um, make it through the, the, the selection process to, for any of them to pass everybody's smell test to the point where we're going to record them. Um, I, ideally I'd like them to be kind of foolproof. So even the, the, the little, the glorious little mistakes that, that are ones that add character and give it a personality. I like to leave those in. Um, but I, but as far as, you know, the, I go all the way back to the first record that I've ever been involved with. And I'm just like, I, I cringe at certain parts. And Really? Eh? Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That never... well, if you like the, if you like the little imperfections, then maybe Little Wreck would have been a better name for the band than Big Wreck. Cause you know, the Big ah. Wreck is the massive, you know, <laughs> explosion. Little Wreck, yeah. Little Wreck, it actually sounds kind of fun. You know, let's leave those flaws in there and they're okay. Cause they're nice flaws. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes that can be, uh, that can be something that adds adds some personality, and and even for the for the person recording it, um, it really puts a time and place on it, you know. Um, so yeah, and all those things kind of seep through, I think, to the listener. But you do, you said, even going back to the beginning, if you listen to your music from the very beginning, yeah, are you one of those guys who goes, "Oh, I should have done this there. That would have been better if I'd done that." Cuz some people do, and as you say, it kind of drive you a little bit crazy. Are do you do that or are you do you say, "Okay, listen, that was 25, 30 years ago. I'm okay with that. Let me just leave that alone." Yeah, I I think uh it's a bit of both. Like if I happen to hear it, uh, I'm like, "Man, I should have said this there. Or I should have played this there." Um, but I was, you know, 22. So I I I <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I was 22 and, and we were all kids and we were having fun and it was our first time in a studio and we were, you know, um, really ex- exploring the studio space. And the, oh, that's a, a nice cowbell line too. There you um, go. There you go. Uh, and, and also the beauty is none of the people listening will ever know what you might have done. As far as they know, this is the thing that you exactly is perfect. I, I right? don't know about that, dude. Like nowadays, everybody's got an opinion, right? Well, I, I suppose. What about what about putting out new music though? Because you're still doing this, and I wondered, do you do you worry sometimes? And again, I'll ask a lot of questions about worry because I don't know why today, but um, that people want exactly the same, just more of exactly the sound that they think of as big wreck, or do you feel like you've built enough time and credibility and everything else that you can explore and give them something totally new and they'll be happy with that? I honestly, I would hope, I would hope the latter. Um... And and if they want like the first big rack album or the second, they're barking up the wrong tree. Um, and not that I don't like that stuff or or don't appreciate it. Um, 
it's just as as an artist, you you're constantly growing, constantly searching, constantly moving forward, um, and turning over new stones and 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 finding new things and learning new things. And uh, I think I guess growth is the best word. But um, yeah, there's always there's always something around the next bend that's going to inspire you. And I've always I've been lucky enough to sort of been tuned to that channel whenever it turns up, you know. Um, and and uh, and I think us as a band, we've been lucky enough to to have uh, fans that would follow us around that corner. Um, and, and it's not like we're putting out a ska record. It's still, it's still <laughs> in our lane, you know? Yeah, you got 18 songs. You know, throw one more in and make it ska. Make it 19. Give them a freebie. Yeah. and just Maybe that'll something. be the one. That'll be the one that pushes it, finally. Yeah. Uh, Ian Thornley of Big Wreck, uh, First Ontario Concert Hall on November 9th here in Hamilton. <laughs> uh, Ian, really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A few weeks from now, James Street is going to be absolutely full of music. It's all part of the Great Cup Festival. 40 bands, that's where we are now, it could be more. 40 bands are going to be playing as part of the festival kickoff party and starting on Thursday, November 16th. And leading the charge that will be doing that local band the dirty nil with luke bentham who joins us now luke how are you i'm very well how are you scott i am excellent thanks for calling and thanks for doing this and i must say i know you are well known and famous and everything for the dirty nil but there is something else about you that people don't know once upon a time star hockey player on the 1999 house league ge lightning where you played with a, a future golf pro named Mackenzie hughes that is true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I uh, I grew up with Mackenzie, and uh, him and I text each other from time to time, remembering all the uh, 1980s and early 90s video games that we used to play at his house, and uh, and um, and all the kind of retro action movies that we used to rewatch. So I, yeah. I really love Mackenzie. It's great to reconnect with him all the time. No, that is awesome to think that uh, from that spot. One guy went into the serene world of golf, and one guy went where you did into the, well, you, that was your song playing at the beginning, the world of rock and roll. It's, it is very cool that people can go in different directions and find success either way. Very much so. It's, um, you know, I think uh, we're, uh, it's just really cool to kind of cross paths when we can. And, you know, we were just playing at that, uh, we did a curling gig at uh, Granite. Uh, curling club in Dundas um, for the athletes last week, but uh, we went up to the Golf and Country Club, and there was a bunch of pictures of Mackenzie there, and you know, just it just takes me back to um, to watching Terminator with him uh, in his basement. <laughs> this have things gotten back in the music side of things? Have things gotten back to you guys to normal now after everything that happened over the last few years? Is the world of music back to where it was? I mean, I would say more or less, yes, but like, I mean, it. I, I would also say that the things have changed, but we've just kind of adjusted to them. I think that, you know, for for everyone, I think that COVID is still a reality, and it's, but it's just much more of a, you know, th- to, thanks to the 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 miracle of modern medicine, it's much less of a of a of a of a devastating thing for 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 a lot of people. Um, it's, it's kind of an annoyance and, but it, but still, you know, a reality and, you know, the economics have changed, but, you know, we've adjusted and, um, and, uh, it's, it's great to not have to cancel gigs. 
anymore and and um to to be more or less on the same kind of track that we were on before um but uh yeah i would i would say it's more or less back on track with uh, kind of, you know, slightly adjusted new reality. And part of the reason I asked that, Luke, is because obviously the Grey Cup was here two years ago. It was the pared down, whittled down version. They couldn't do a lot of the stuff they wanted to do. This year, it's back. This is exactly, I think, what the plan was all along had there not been COVID. And part of it is you guys leading the way here with the uh, with the party on James Street and, and just bringing local music two people here in town. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's finally great that you can get back and do that kind of stuff. Very much so. I mean, it was, um, especially in 2021 at the end of 2021, when we were doing, um, some shows supporting our, our, our record that year, um, it was, we were having to make, you know, crazy adjustments about, you know, well, this show's going to have to be all seated and they're not going to be able to serve any, uh, any drinks or anything. And we just said, you know what, let's just, let's just put a pause on this and wait until, you know, we can do a, a show that, that works for everybody. So it's nice to be able to get back in there and, and do it the way, uh, the, the, do it the way that it's meant to be. Is a festival like this, and it is a festival, I mean, it's the Grey Cup game, but it's the week and it's the festival. Is this the kind of thing that when you hear that this is going to be happening, you've got your ears perked up going, how do we get involved in something like that? Because that's exactly what we would want to do. Well, it's funny because we were looking for um, something to do in Hamilton this year because um, we put a record out, uh, free reign of fashions available wherever fine records are (laughs) sold or streamed. Um, but, um, you know, uh, we're kind of in a, in a strange position where there's not a ton of venues that would accommodate, um, our kind of, uh, fan base. And, uh, and so, you know, I think playing outside is, is kind of where we're, where we're kind of, uh, our, our best avenue is right now. And we were actually contacted right when this, uh, was being planned. And so I knew, about this before there was any kind of general announcement and we were already kind of signed up right right at the beginning but uh, it was a perfect situation for us in terms of um meeting meeting our uh re- uh requirements uh for for a nice Hamilton performance so yeah we're just we're just really really proud to be a part of it and uh we're really thankful for the um for the for the Tiger Cats for for hosting us and um it's it's uh, it's nice to be kind of woven into the to the to the community that way. Uh, the concert uh, where people can see you guys November sixteenth. You know what time you're playing yet on James Street? I don't yet. I don't think we have a full schedule yet. All right. I'm sure all just go down go there. down all day and they'll play at some point and you'll hear them. They 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 do tend to be with some volume. Fair enough? Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair, Scott. That is Luke Bentham with the Dirty Nail. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Luke, thanks for this. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Let's talk about pain, shall we? Let's, Let's reduce today's show, what's left of it, to pain. There is a new pepper, hot pepper on the market this week. It is called Pepper X. It is said to be much hotter than the previous Guinness World Record holder pepper for hottest pepper, the Carolina Reaper. You know about the Carolina Reaper, right? And it is at 2.693 million Scoville heat units. 
something, you know, hundreds of times hotter than your average everyday run-of-the-mill jalapeno. Well, that brings me to my next guest, uh, a man who just the other day broke his own world record for fastest time to eat 50 Carolina Reapers. And then after eating 50 in just over six minutes, decided, uh, let's throw in another 85 just for fun. Eight, I don't even have words for this. Let me just bring him in here. Uh, Mike Jack it joins me now. Mike, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I, I didn't know what you were going to say when I said, how are you? I didn't know if great was going to be the answer or recovering was going to be the answer. <laughs> that is. Oh, a, no, I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is a stagger. I mean, we're going to get into the Pepper X thing in a second here, but I, I can't even fathom. Like, is there a point when you're doing this that it just reaches maximum heat and any further peppers you eat don't make any more difference? Uh, it's just, um, you know, just, just so just, you know, keep, uh, when I keep putting them in the, in my mouth, they just keep getting hotter and hotter for a longer amount of time. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get any easier. That's for sure. Are you, do you do other things? Like, do you run or do you, do you do other activities that require a certain level of discomfort tolerance or is this the one thing? Um, I used to be into, uh, like distance running and do those, um, you know, the obstacle runs, like the tough mutters and stuff like that. Yeah. I was into that um, kind of before I was into eating the pepper, so it, it might have stemmed from that. All right. I just wanted, because there, there certainly is an ability to deal with discomfort when, when you do this kind of thing. How did you find out, by the way, that you, I don't, is the word tolerate or, or enjoy? What's the, what's the, what would be the word I would use here when you say that, did you learn, how did you learn when you could tolerate or like or enjoy doing this? Yeah, I guess you kind of, you kind of grow a tolerance, I guess, for the heat. Um, you know, I was in a hot sauce for a long time. I, you know, 20 years ago, I, I just started enjoying, you know, just mild hot sauces. And at the time, you know, uh, Sriracha and Frank's Red Hot, that was hot for me. That's as far as I, I would go, but I just ate more and more hot sauces, searching for hotter and hotter sauces. And then, um, eventually, you know, I was eating a Carolina Reaper pepper hot sauces, like other people eat ketchup, you know, like over about a 15 year span. And then uh, I guess it was six years ago, my my buddy told me there's people eating uh, hot peppers on YouTube and uh, suggested I, you know, give it a try. I hadn't eaten actual peppers before, but I started off with just uh, one uh, Carolina Reaper pepper on my uh, YouTube channel, Mike Jack Eats Heat. And uh, yeah, I I ate the one. It was it was, you know, pretty hot, honestly, but uh, I thought I could eat more. So I just kept eating more and more and. Eventually, I started uh, breaking uh, Guinness World Records. Uh, there are many, and you can go onto that Facebook page. You just were in a uh, another competition as well, as I recall. That, uh, that d- did you win the one? The the uh, the I can't remember the name of it. The like where the whole series of peppers are offered, and you have to keep eating that. You won that one, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm the uh, I've won the uh, I'm the the two time winner of the uh, League of Fire that's uh, it, that's World it, yeah. Chill Eating Belt. Um, I won it in May in uh, New Zealand, and then I just won it again. Just uh, just a couple of weeks ago in uh, Prague, Czech Republic. Amazing. All right, Pepper X. Uh, when uh, even for someone who clearly is tolerant or enjoys eating hot peppers, is there a is there a level where you say even I'm a little nervous about diving into one of these? I think uh, most people should be very nervous about diving into uh, Pepper X pepper. But uh, for me, actually, I'm I'm super excited. This pepper's coming out. You know, it's something else I'm. You know, I'm just kind of 
dying to try it i'd I'd like to uh you know get my hands on a bunch of the peppers uh break some guinness records with that it's uh, an exciting time for people who are really into the the high levels of uh heat okay so let me just read this to you though just as a setup here because uh, the guy who founded the, so the company that founded or created this pepper is called pucker butt pepper they're yeah president had one there's only two people apparently who have tried it the guy the president who he ate one said 10 or a minute after he collapsed on the way out to his car and had to be helped to his room (laughs) where for four hours he had extreme cramps and incredible pain that does not sound when you say (laughs) you're really looking forward to it that doesn't sound like something i would look forward to yeah no uh most people uh shouldn't look forward to eating that at all but you know, for me, it's a it's a it's a challenge. It's just like another another mountain to climb. So I'm uh, I'm very excited. You know, I've eaten a lot of uh, you know Carolina Reaper peppers, the previous Guinness World Record holder. Uh, for a few years now, I've I've pretty much you know I've broken the majority of the records I I can with that pepper, and I'm just excited to uh, to to try this uh, new uh, crazy hot pepper. I mean, I, look, I like, I love hot sauce. And, and in fact, I should mention, I have eaten, you have a hot sauce that uh, Dawson's hot sauce here in Hamilton made, a custom made one. Yeah. I had some of your hot sauce. I had a bottle of it. It was amazing, by the way, if people want to oh, head down to Dawson's and uh, you had helped make this one, right? You you were involved in the creation of it? Yeah, I have uh, two hot sauces with uh, Dawson's. I got uh, Tropical Fury, which is uh, pineapple and uh, it was amazing. Pepper. It was amazing. And then I have a... And then I have a newer one that came out earlier this year uh, called Taco Tuesday, which tastes like a taco in a bottle. It's a more mild sauce, so uh, it's, it's you know, anybody can enjoy it, really. No, the, the, I had the first one, and it was amazing. So there you go. But so, I, I mean, I love a good burn, but not to the point where it's pain. Is there an endorphin rush or something that comes when you, when you do this? Is there something, you know, the runner's high that we hear about for joggers? Is there a similar thing when you eat something that's so hot that it actually causes discomfort? Uh, yes, it's uh, it's very similar to a, to a runner's high, in fact. Um, and then, you know, when I do something like really extreme, like eating, you know, 100 Carolina Reaper peppers, it almost makes me feel like, like it makes me feel like I'm drunk after. Like I have, I have trouble like walking. I have trouble, uh, you know, uh, putting my words together, stuff like that. So... Well, I don't yeah, doubt it because your real... tongue has been incinerated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like really, it really messes you up. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a crazy feeling for sure. It is. Uh, it, yeah that that would be uh, that would be a word for it. Well, we will be watching when uh, when you get the opportunity. We will be watching to see how that goes. Uh, his name is Mike Jacks from London, Ontario, and holder of many world records and championships. And uh, don't be like Mike unless <laughs> unless you're professionally <laughs> trained. Let's put it that way. Fair statement. Don't do it unless you know what you're doing. That is, uh, that yeah. is Mike Jack. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't do that. I mean, if you... I don't even... Just don't do that. Eating 140-something Carolina Reapers in one sitting, I'm reasonably sure my body would have burst into flames and I would have just been a little pile of ash on the floor by the end of that one. But each to their own, I suppose. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We could all use a little extra money. Uh, The MNP Consumer Debt Index is out and it's kind of bleak. Not going to lie, it's kind of bleak. The average money 
Ontarians say they have left over at the end of the month has dropped this quarter to $667. That's down $102 from the previous quarter. So each month is costing us $102 more at least. More than half, 53% of Ontarians report they are $200 away or less from not being able to meet their financial obligations. That is, think about that, that $200 one way or another. And if it's, if we're down a hundred dollars over the previous quarter, we are heading into what would appear to be some perilous times here in Ontarians finances. John Anathasiu is a St. Catharines based licensed insolvency trustee with MNP limited joins us now. John, how are you this morning? Good morning, Scott. Good, thanks. Really appreciate you doing this because, uh, you know, we don't generally love to come on here and and wake everyone up with bleak news like this, but it's the reality. It's what people are facing right now. These are very tough economic times for an awful lot of people. Correct. Like that's, uh, it's part of what we see every day in our line of business. Uh, so yeah, you're right. The Consumer Debt Index is uh, a quarterly survey uh, conducted by MNP with the help of Ipsos. And we kind of measure Canadians' attitudes towards their consumer debt, engages their ability to pay their bills and endure unexpected expenses and absorb any interest rate fluctuations. Um, and we do it every quarter. So the latest one that you're referring to was uh, just released and based on a survey done in September. If things are this difficult and this tight and, and we are, I mean, in, inflation we heard in the last couple of days has gone down a little bit, that would be encouraging. But if things are this tight, boy, and t- less than $200 away for a lot of people, for more than half people of not being able to meet their obligations, that, that is not only difficult financially, that is high stress, is it not, for all those people who are in that position that any little thing that could go wrong and suddenly you're, you're kind of snookered. Right. And, um, and and that's what we deal with regularly, like people coming in that are stretched. But about inflation, like so it's kind of come down. It's, it seems like it's coming down to a more manageable level. Uh, but the problem is the price prices will continue to rise from from where they are now, but at a smaller pace. Right. So we've just endured the last two years where the almost we had double digit inflation. So, OK, so that's come and stayed. And now the numbers are just kind of showing, okay, fine. Things are where they're at, but they're only going to start going up not as much as they were in the past. past. Right. So, right. No prices ever go down. They just, they may it, stop growing. Exactly. And, and it was funny. I was in the grocery store with my wife the other day and just a small bag of sunflower seeds. I remember buying them for a dollar, probably during the pandemic or pre-pandemic. And now they're a dollar fifty. So in some cases you're seeing like a 50% increase in the price price of goods. And if it's enough things, it's almost like a death by a thousand cuts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other one, and I was in a grocery store the other day. I mean, everyone can tell the grocery store story. I'm sure they've all been there, but the other one that's very obvious now with some things is how much smaller the packages are for the same thing. And you may say, well, I'm still paying the same, but you're getting so much less. It is, everything is just so much more expensive right now. Exactly. And, And that's so when people come in to see us like licensed insolvency trustees, they're, they're basically faced sometimes with, you know, making the rent payment or buying groceries. So it's, it's definitely tough out there. And, um, and that's what insolvency trustees are licensed to help people out with. So we are seeing the numbers on the rise, like insolvency filing. So last year from August to August, the office of the superintendent of bankruptcy 
just released the August figures. There was like a 23% increase in filings from last August to this August in Ontario. In year-to-date, insolvency filings are up about 24% over last year. So what we're reading in the papers is translating into insolvency filings for licensed trustees. We, um, we also haven't even talked about the fact that we've heard a lot about this, but there are come 2024. So a few months from now, it's a huge, I can't remember the number. It's a huge percentage of mortgage holders whose mortgages are coming due and they're going to have to renegotiate. And they were paying mortgages at very lovely low rates and are going to be getting a massive shock to the system with what's coming when they have to renegotiate. Again, if 53% are $200 or less away from not being able to pay. Some of those have to be people who are going to be paying a lot more than $200 more when their mortgage comes up. For sure. And that's something we're keeping an eye on. So uh, what I have here is 4 million Canadian mortgages are due to renew by 2026. So there's going to be a a number of households that are going to get impacted. And I think the Bank of Canada itself said that it takes about 18 months before these interest rates changes are going to get fully absorbed into the economy. So we're kind of sitting back and, and waiting to see what happens. Um, it, we are seeing it already where people are coming in. And, and the first thing that we see is uh, a large increase in the, you know, maintaining your household and that's impacting other areas. And that's part of the, the issue that we're seeing on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it is, uh, as I say, we, this is not, uh, there's no joy in doing this first thing in the morning and telling people as they're waking up about how rough it is, but I'm guessing that anybody who's hearing this and who is going to be affected by this, they're they're pretty much already aware of what's going on with their finances. We're not breaking any news to anybody. That's true. I guess the one thing to that, that we're here to help people, right? So there are solutions out there for people and... Uh, the government provides uh, access to licensed insolvency trustees. That's a good place to start. There's like not-for-profit credit counseling agencies that'll sit down and help you look at your budget and try to kind of see how, you know, create some sort of a plan to go forward so you can deal with your debts uh, and that hopefully is, maintain those mortgage payments when they come. That is John Athanasiu, who is with uh, MNP Limited in St. Catharines. John, thank you so much for taking the time today. Not a problem. Thanks, Scott, for having me. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. On Wednesday, uh, the very controversial issue of medical assistance in dying was back for discussion for debate in the House of Commons. A member's bill was brought forward that would have limited or stopped the potential future inclusion of those with mental health from being eligible. This is a highly controversial issue, whether mental health should be a qualification, a criteria that would allow you to qualify for MAID. Well, that was voted down. That was not passed. So that will presumably continue towards legalization in the not too distant future. Meanwhile, in Victoria, British Columbia, there was a, there's a conference going on, the Canadian Society of Addiction Medicine, at which medical assistance in dying is also being discussed. And there, the discussion is, should those who are addicted to drugs, should addicts be eligible for medical assistance in dying because they may have mental health issues, probably do, maybe do, most may, I, I don't know. But the, 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 the argument being in vice.ca, vice.com, pardon me, is writing about this, that it appears that there's a very good chance that when the next step in medical assistance in dying is passed, 
addicts will now be eligible. I want to bring in Dr. Sanu Gind. He is a professor. He is a medical health, a mental health advocate. He is the head of uh, the Department of Psychiatry at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center. He joins us now. Doctor, thank you for your time today. Hi, Scott, and thank you for continuing to cover this challenging topic. Well, it just, it seems to me that we started where this was supposed to be for people with incurable, fatal conditions that were going to kill them imminently and to avoid that kind of suffering. And we were assured when that thing started that that was, no, there's no slippery slope. It's that, it's for that only, that's where it's going to stop. And boy, uh, anyone who says there's no slippery slopes in these things, we seem to have slipped down a slope very quickly. Well, we've fallen off a cliff, actually. Um, You're absolutely right that when this started, and remember, our made laws have only been there for six or seven years. 2016 is when it started. And in that very short time, we have rapidly jumped to become the number one made provider on the planet in absolute terms. Our national stats from 2021 are the last that we have reported on at this point. And at that point, there were over 10,000 Canadians who got assisted death that year alone. It was 3.3, 3 3.4% of all Canadians who died, died by made in that year in 2021. We still don't have the 2022 numbers having been released yet, which is very unusual. They usually come out in around June. It's now late October, and we still don't know what the national numbers are. But we know some of the provincial ones from 2022. And Quebec and BC are pushing 5 7% or more. So they're actually now the number one jurisdictions on the planet per capita of assisted deaths. And that's, again, in six or seven short years. And we, we are continuing to expand the made laws even further, far beyond situations to help people uh, avoid a painful death. Well, now we're expanding yeah. to actually, frankly, entice people to maid to avoid a painful life. It's well, very and, different. And we've seen many reports, we've read many reports of veterans being asked, would you like to consider maid, even though they have no interest in it? We've heard of people who are who are in poverty saying, I would rather do this. And, and, and worse, I suppose, to me anyway, they seem to be able to find doctors who are more than willing to sign off on this. It seems as though we're areas where we should be looking for treatment that are treatable. We are now saying, no, let's just go to the other one and let's just offer mate. It seems to me, it seems immoral when you get to the point where there could be treatment offered and we've decided, no, we'd rather just allow you to kill yourself. Well, look, just to put my own cards on the table, I'm not a conscientious objector to made overall. I actually see the value of it in situations that someone may be dying and to help them avoid a painful death. But as you're pointing out, it's now gone so far beyond that, that people who actually could get better, but are suffering from other things like poverty, have reported and have gotten it. They've said it in their own words. You're talking about the mental health issue that's going to be expanded in March is is the uh, current plan. And when that happens, we'll be offering made to people in their moments of despair who could get better. And they will be told by overzealous assessors, the few who are willing to do this, by the way, there are a lot of made assessors who are saying they're not going to be involved once it opens to mental illness. 
but there are a few who will. And they'll be told by those few assessors that we predict you won't improve in their periods of despair, and they may get made. We actually don't even have any requirement in Canada that the person needs to have had treatment or access to treatment. And you may have heard the case of a woman in BC who in distress went to her hospital in Vancouver and was seeking psychiatric help. The counselor started talking with her and formed a rapport that she found supportive initially. And then the counselor asked if she had considered MAID and went on to describe how comfortable it was as a process for alleviating suffering, which obviously distressed that, that person. But can you imagine what that is sending as a message to people in their moments of despair that we should be helping them? The There are, and lest anyone think um, that this is all something that is very much in uh, favored by everybody who works with people who are addicts, there are lots of people, we can, you can go online and find a variety of comments about this. Those who work with addicts saying, some of them call, even going so far as to call this eugenics, like let's just, we've got these people who are, you know, they, they don't really help society all that much in some cases. So let's, it's, it's a way of clearing them out. Now, I don't know that I'm willing to go that far, but there are people who are saying that now. Well, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of, are we valuing these people's lives or not? I think that's the um, point they're trying to make, that the lives of people suffering in these situations are actually not being valued for um, being provided and offered things like suicide prevention and help and assistance with living with dignity in the community. And instead, what is being done is a, what I would call a false sense of compassion, thinking that, oh, this person is saying they want to die and we will help them die. In my opinion, what we're actually doing is abandoning them to their despair that we could actually help them through. Mm. Uh, doctor, we only have a few seconds left here, but um, I may have asked you this question before when you visited us with us on another time, but with the way this has gone, the very rapid progression, uh, I don't see any realistic, I don't see any realistic way to believe that at some point soon, children will not be offered this. Why wouldn't they be? If children are suffering, why should they have to suffer when adults don't? I think there's an awful lot of people who would be very uncomfortable with that. But should I have any reason to think there will be a day soon that children won't be offered made? Well, I can let you know that the previous committee uh, that looked at this and in their report, they actually suggested, and I don't agree with this, but they suggested that the idea of mature minors with no age limit actually be considered and looked at. I, and bizarrely enough, they, they said that despite acknowledging that there is widespread evidence that youth brains aren't fully formed until, you know, well into people's 20s, and specifically the areas involved in judgment, uh, frontal lobe, and, you know, decision making. So they acknowledged that. And then they went on to say, but, you know, some of the people we talked to told us that youth in these situations have uncommon maturity and they basically say so we're going to go with that and you know we think that it should be under consideration with no age limit yeah we it, have age limits for voting we have age limits for many other things and they're talking potentially about not having an age limit for people wanting their own death even when they could improve dr sanu gind uh, very much appreciate you taking a few minutes today thank you so much
Thanks, God. Take care. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The founder of Harvey's died this week. His name was, let me find his name again, George Sikornik. George Sikornik was one of the founders of Harvey's and he passed away at 96 years old this week. And just before we get to my next guest, I want to tell the story of how it became Harvey's because it was not originally supposed to be called Harvey's. The restaurant that you know as Harvey's was originally supposed to be known as Humphreys. It was going to be Humphreys Burgers. But back in 1959, he was reading the Toronto Telegram and saw there was a car dealership closing on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. And the sign in front of the dealership was free for someone who wanted it or could have been purchased for very little money. The car dealership was Harvey's. And because the sign was already made, they didn't have to really spend a lot of money. They decided, oh, we'll go with Harvey's instead of Humphreys and the rest is history. Let me bring in Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business. How are you this morning? I'm just fine, thank you. So the reason I tell that whole story is I've always wondered how much the name of a company or a business or a restaurant or whatever matters. And I am I believe I don't know what I think about that honestly, but I have to believe that a right name, the proper name has to have some kind of impact. Do you agree? Well, well, I do. But first, can I go back to your story? Because it turns out, like all things in the sands of time, you get various versions of this story. Another version of the story is that when he went to order the sign for Humphreys, he found out the cost was much more. If he could shorten the name, he could save money. So he went for something shorter. That's where Harvey's came from. And a third version of this, and you would appreciate this given your sports background, was that uh, he had read a story about a famous... Montreal Canadian hockey player by the name of Doug Harvey. And he thought, oh, that's kind of catchy and maybe sports fans will be interested. So Harvey's is born three different origin stories. Okay. To name. Okay. But to, but to your point, uh, absolutely. A, a, a good name is not a guarantee of success, but a bad name can kill you. So if it was, you know, Theodore's Zinvix burgers, I'm not sure you and I'd be talking about it. But if you have something relatively short, easy to remember, easy to pronounce, easy to recognize, you increase the chance. And that's why so many brand names, now I realize this is a, a food chain, but if you think of brand, nail, brand names, uh, Tide, Dial, uh, nice and Coke, nice and short, easy to recognize, easy to remember, it makes it much easier for the consumer. Well, and I was thinking about this when I heard this story today, regardless of how this, the name came to be, one of their famous burgers that, that they've advertised heavily is the Big Harve. And I'm thinking, how would a Big Humph have sold? <laughs> I don't think it sounds all that appetizing, quite honestly. And would, would people have remembered to call it Big Humphs or would it have been Big Hump with a P at the end yeah. of it? So who, who knows? Yeah, the, the Harvey's has worked very well. And of course, they came up with a catchy slogan at Harvey's, we make your burger a beautiful thing. Yes. Again, nice, catchy slogan, short, simple, easy to remember. Uh, Harvey's is an important chain in Canadian history, but it's also worth noting that they only have about 300 locations in Canada. Other chains, whether it's Wendy's or McDonald's, what have you, are bigger presence. But nonetheless, we think of it as an iconic Canadian brand, and it has carved out a unique niche for itself, probably because of the flame broiling of their burgers. Other people fried them. They wanted to do the flame broiling. That also gave them a distinctive edge. I was that was the next thing I was actually going to ask you, Marvin, is because there when you're in a very competitive industry, how important is it to be different? 
to, that you stand out and the name could help, maybe the visuals helps, but that the product that you're selling is the same, but recognizably not the same. Right. So in, in, in business, we often talk about this, uh, you want, whether you call it a unique selling proposition or a competitive advantage, you have to be able to sum up quickly why a consumer should buy my product over somebody else's. And if you use a word like quality, oh, you've got to buy my burger because my burger is quality. Everyone talks about quality. It's a meaningless phrase. So you have to have something that can separate you in one way. Quiznos, which competed against Subway for many years successfully, their big competitive advantage was that they heated, toasted the burger or toasted the sandwiches when they made them as opposed to uh, Subway, which just made them with fresh bread. They didn't toast anything. It's something trivial, I realize, but it's enough that it separates it in the mind of the consumer. Otherwise, if you're just like everybody else, why would I switch from where I'm buying things to somebody new just because you're new? Well, that might be something I try once, but unless you offer me something sustainable, there's no reason to keep going back. You can't be new forever. You know, your example of Quiznos is brilliant because I, I thought the exact same thing. It's like, really, your entire marketing campaign is based upon the fact that you've toasted the bread. Well, all right. I'm wait, I was waiting for the next Subway chain to come and say, we cut our Subways, or our subs in three pieces. So you get more or something like that. I mean, it's like, it's so, you're right. It's so trivial, but it worked somehow. Well, today, Subway is, is uh, touting the fact that they will slice the meat in front of you. It used to be that they did prepackaged <laughs> meat and they would grab a handful, put it on your sandwich, but now they'll slice it for you in front of you. If, if that's important to you, that's enough to make you go to one place over another. Well, going back to the name, we got to run here, but the other one, the other very famous Canadian brand that could have been so, so different, Tim Hortons. Tim is not his first name, his legal first name, his real first name, Tim Horton, the hockey player, was Miles Horton. How different would our lives be, Marvin, if we said, I'm going over to Milesies to get a coffee or I'm going to have some Miles bits? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and again, with Tim Hortons, one other quick little story, the Tim bit was born not because of the wisdom of Tim Horton or because of the wisdom of, of his co-founder, our, our former police officer here in town, Ron Joyce. Uh, it was because there was a person who had to get up very early to make donuts they punch them out of the bill. You have these little holes left over. And because he was hungry, he didn't have time for breakfast. He ate the fried holes. Uh, Ron <laughs> Joyce was visiting and said, you like that? He said, yeah, it's just a nice little bite. And so from that, uh, one person's need to have a breakfast in the morning came Timbits. Where would we be without those? Where so some of these happen by accident. Where would we be? Uh, Marvin Ryder, always love having you on. Thanks for taking time today. Glad to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.